The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. One of the favourite themes of this podcast is talking to cool companies adding value to the primary sector. With agri-export such a huge part of our economy, and in a sector with its share of challenges, where tech and innovation can help, it's one of the most important things we can get right and improve. There's heaps happening in the space, so much that just the other week, 65 delegates from here headed off to the top agri-tech conference in Asia-Pacific. The conference is called Evoke AG, and Callaghan Innovation brought together a mission on a mission to increase the good stuff and export great products and ideas. One of those companies was Sparrows, whose purpose is to cut food waste by using smart sensors and data to keep track of where everything is and where it's meant to be, at what temperature and for how long. It's leading to less product being written off, a huge problem in the food industry. Sparrows CEO and founder Andrea Watson was at Evoke AG and joins us now along with Simon Yarrow, who leads Callaghan Innovation's Agritech team and put together the contingent. Kia good morning. Thank you for being here. Morning. Good morning. Hey, so first up, uh, Simon, what is Evoke AG and uh, why is it so important to turn up? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, Simon, Evoke AG is the the largest um, agricultural technology conference in Australasia and New Zealand's a you know, considered a global leader in the space. Um, Startup Genome recently came out and put us in the top 10 in terms of ag and food tech uh, startup ecosystem. So it was really important that we're there, we're seen as a leader. Um, so yeah, Callahan's job is to help entrepreneurial companies like Sparrows, um, help them globalise. So yeah, it was really important that we help facilitate and put together a delegation to, to go to Evoke Ag. It's really interesting uh, looking at kind of the, the, the idea behind the mission and that we've got these great companies but we've got such a small market even though we're kind of like quite a big player mm. in terms of primary exports mm. it's just not that many actual businesses and companies eh? and just needing that leg up to get to those bigger industries in order, order to sell to more than just the New Zealand market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Agri Technologies has uh, in the past been seen as a tool for New Zealand's agricultural industry um, but also at the same time, we have developed um, a few really good global companies, Gallagher, Waikato Milking, LIC, for example. And what we're trying to do is, is develop that, I guess, that next generation, that pipeline uh, of companies. So, you know, to give you a sense of scale, Simon, uh, agricultural exports are around sort of 45 billion. Agritech exports are 1.5 billion. 
So yeah, there's a huge opportunity there for New Zealand from a from a global perspective. And who are these sixty five odd companies? Like, what kind yeah. of are they companies people have heard of, or are they new kind of um, you, you know cool things like we've talked to people on this um, podcast yeah. who are doing things like using satellite imagery to work out how hot your fields are to make sure you're using the right amount of water and the like, which may not be household names, but are just such cool ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we actually had a real mix. So, you know, we had Zespri there, you know, who probably hopefully everyone knows, um, one of New Zealand's most successful agricultural companies. But, yeah, all the way down to, to one-person startups, you know, doing really, really cool technology across, you know, environmental technology, uh, digital, um, you know, satellite is a good example that you mentioned. So, yeah, we had a really good cross-section, and that's the whole point. We, we want to put the researchers, the investors, the companies, the tech um, entrepreneurs all together, and that's where the magic happens because you need all those people to be working together to be successful. Sounds like quite a cool role to like talk to a whole lot of interesting companies doing some cool stuff and then head off to, to Perth. What, what's your background? Like, um, have you been you've, – you've done a bit on both sides of the, the – uh, in the entrepreneurship side and in the helping people make stuff happen side. Yeah, yeah. So my background's, uh, uh, yeah, like you say, so I'm in a bit of a mix. So I've worked for the sort of big corporates or co-ops um, like Fonterra and, and LIC, but also um, uh, know the challenges of running a startup. So I looked after a, a venture capital-funded startup in the um, animal health and, and food health space. And so, yeah, I I have a lot of empathy for, for our clients and the, the challenges they're going through and also the, the huge rewards that, that are there if they're successful. So, yeah. Yeah, and you've um, done a bit through the agritech space, but Andrea, your background wasn't quite as... Uh is uh, in that sector also. Tell, tell us about um, what you were up to before your idea that led to the startup. So I was in finance. I was an accountant, um, and I was working at um, Air New Zealand before I started Sparrows. Um, so initially I did a hackathon with Coca-Cola and um, basically it was this amazing opportunity for them to give us all of their supply chain data and during that time I met one of their truck drivers, John, and John owned seven trucks and he was using them between 5am and 3pm and as an accountant I was like, wow, there's so much opportunity for him to fill his trucks and use them at night and weekends Um, and basically through the lean startup approach you validate the idea but there was something that wasn't quite working so I ran off to London and did that for four years but when I came back it was still nagging at me so I contacted Coke and said like what are you doing and basically they said that they were going to do an accelerator program in Sydney and would I apply so I applied with that same idea and have since obviously moved into tracking and traceability so um, which being an FMCG, so your chips, chocolate and Coke, um, it's quite low margin compared to your high-value high value perishables where the value of the loss is so huge. Oh, wow. And it's, yeah. so, it's so binary as well, isn't it? You're like, I've got a tanker of milk or I've got a tanker of problems. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's so interesting because you hear about these company hackathons and sometimes you know, some people listening might have taken part. And I guess mileage varies with a lot of that stuff, eh, as to whether you, you come out with something that you then change your life to do or whether it was just a really cool way of thinking differently for a weekend. But, yeah, that... To, to have that result and then to get into an accelerator is such a cool result. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but at the same time, like, New Zealand was such a great place to work and I still miss them dearly. Like, being a sole founder, um, it's quite lonely. 
um, and I worked with some amazing people. So, um, but at the same time, I have this opportunity to work really hard. And as Simon was saying before, the rewards are there, and um, every morning you just wake up and you're like, go. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me what the situation's like at the moment. Um, so, you know, you've got all of these kind of trucking and transport businesses that are moving. Uh, perishable, uh, <laughs> recently milked or, you, you know, recently harvested goods. And what do they have, like temperature needs and, and timing needs? Yeah, so exactly. So um, one of the big things for me is um, the summertime. So summer fruit comes from um, central Otago. Um, so the cherries are trucked for 48 hours from Cromwell up to Auckland. So they're transported all through um the South Island, then they sit on the ferry, and then they're in the North Island, and then they sit on the tarmac, um, and then they are flown off to Shanghai or Guangzhou or wherever in Asia. So those cherries need to stay between zero and four degrees at 95% humidity. Otherwise, those growers could sustain huge amounts of losses. And particularly with cherries, as it's such a short season that you want to get those that fruit up there in the best quality conditions it can be. So it, it is just that visibility in the supply chain. So you're connecting the growers, the distributors that are getting those goods up there, and then also um, the final customers that are um, seeing those goods arrive. Because we as the end customer, we don't really see the the waste or even hear about it, do we? But we might suddenly find that cherries are a bit cheaper in the supermarket. And is that because a massive load was decided that it's not going to make it overseas and it hits the local market? or? What kind of stuff's happening in the background that we as customers aren't seeing in terms of that food waste? Well, like, particularly in Australia where the temperatures are so high. So, um, you know, recently there was a truckload of meat that was going from Brisbane up to Cairns. um, And there's two different fuel tanks. There's one for the, the truck and one for the back. And often, you know, someone could just forget to fill up the back. So um, in that example, you had a a whole town that didn't have their supply of meat, um, as well as all of that food waste. So I think, you know, the transporters are working really hard to get us amazing fresh product on our shelves, but it's just that connectivity in, in the background that everyone's logistically trying to do. And particularly for smaller growers or producers, they are at the mercy of like a fragmented cool chain. They don't have the scale to be able to contract the likes of Toll or Linfox or anything to to have that end-to-end solution. Right. So the small the small people especially around the edges and using multiple suppliers and then there's a little bit of a I don't know. How, how do you how do you solve that? How do you give them the now you know? So I think particularly with um, with consumer goods, like we're so used to being able to track our Uber, track our pizza, and you've got this these huge million dollar loads that are traveling through and just no one knows where they are. So what we do is we attach a, a GPS tracker, um, which gives live data and um, on temperature, location and shock. Um, so particularly with things like cherries, um, if they get dropped at one point, um, the bruising doesn't show up until much later on. So you can isolate that event. But more importantly, um, when temperatures are getting high, is being able to act and react. So um, we send those alerts so that people can actually jump in. Like nobody starts their day thinking, I'm going to ruin all of these goods. <laughs> so um, it's actually giving them the information and insights to start to manage their supply chain. Yeah, how have the um, the truckies and the transporters in the middle 
uh, reacted to this because I imagine on one end it's like great I'm never going to spoil a load and be in trouble and no one's going to yell at me but on the other end they're going to know if you took an extra half hour stop somewhere yeah I, I also think that they no longer have as many phone calls that you know that fundamentally that's what I save people is time on the phone um, and I'm like helping them run their business so, yes, you know, a lot of people have said that you're opening up a can of worms, but like I said, people just want to be helped, particularly like those growers. They work so hard to get their goods ready at the pack house, packed up and ready to go, and then for it to break in the cool chain. It's just such a waste. Cool, and we'll be back in a minute to hear more about that soon. If you love the spin-off, the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members. This is the fun that helps us keep free and accessible to all without a paywall. It also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism. Check it out through the spin-off. Hi, I'm Russell Brown, and I'll make a podcast for the spin-off called Actually Interesting. Those are also the initials of its topic, artificial intelligence, which is very interesting. You can find us on your favourite podcast providers or on thespinoff.co.nz. Sounds like you've really got to know your customer there. Like, how did you go about kind of getting the idea out there and learning about those customer pain points and then solving them for them and and getting the business off the ground? I love my customers. (laughs) I have these lovely, um, not to disrespect anyone, like older gentlemen that have helped me build my product. So I have been in their faces. Um, They have been giving me feedback Um, I think the worst kind of feedback is when you get that disappointed dad. You know, when they look at you like, oh, it was so much better last time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst because you're like, oh. Um, But using that and learning from that and being better every time um, just makes for a better solution that they love to use. And what stage is the company at now? So I have been very lucky. I've had two busy summers. So obviously with um, Agritech, um, you've got this huge seasonality element that the others don't. Um, so for us, it's really important to build out into the Northern Hemisphere. So I was lucky enough to go on an immersion program, which was going through Netherlands, Belgium and Germany. So meeting customers there and starting to see how the Northern Hemisphere works. Um, And then also I was in the US in September trying to figure out how those transport networks work as well. Um, So that's what I'm trying to build is that um, customer base in both hemispheres because the most reliable revenue is customer revenue. Um, But the reality is that I will need to raise soon. But as soon as you start doing that, it takes you out of your business. Mm. So um, that's the dichotomy that I'm dealing with. (laughs) And how important are things like this thing where you, and and bringing you in as well, Simon, here, like where you're able to go onto these missions with, because there was a whole kind of bunch of funders right through to customers, through to other entrepreneurs facing similar challenges or who've been, you know, through the stages before. How important is it to get into a network of kind of uh, 65 people going places? I'm very lucky. Like I have um, Justin. So Justin works with Simon um, and Justin is constantly messaging me about things that are happening and being applied for and 
grants and applications, so it is incredible. And I think also being an agritech, you are on your own in these rural areas, in pack houses, in DCs, in warehouses with your customers. Um, it's these amazing events that bring you all together. Um, unlike these fintechs that are all in these shiny CBD shared workspaces where they can bounce ideas off each other. This is just amazing to be together and be, again, speaking to people that know about GPS and trackers and backends and like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, the networking mm-hmm. value of these uh, events is probably the number one thing. Uh, It's funny too because it's also not just the other delegates or the international folks, although that's massive. It's actually the Kiwis on the bus. Yes. There's nothing like, you know, having 30, 40, 50 Kiwis on a bus and, yeah, all this interaction happens and and learnings, uh, stuff that would never happen back home in in Z. But, uh, you know, VOCAG is really building uh, that network. I mean, we had a delegation of, of UK companies who came and interacted with us on our New Zealand stand and it's just incredible, right? You've got... 30, 40 Kiwis, 15, 20 UK folks, you know, all sharing ideas and building business um, in Australia, which is cool. Yeah, so how did it actually go down? Like, what what, uh, what happened and what were the outcomes from it? Yeah, so the, the, the key with this kind of event is it's not a, a trade event. Like, there were a couple of companies there, like um, Newpoint, um, like Andrea, and, and another company called Masterplex, who actually had stands there and would be selling product or, or at least leading to selling product. But most of it's around that uh, stage before. So finding investment, uh, working on product development projects, understanding the market better. So the actual revenue generation is likely to happen, you know, from sort of six months onwards. And that's the key reason Callahan is driving this, together with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, because NZT is more at that trade end of town, right, where you actually go to a conference or an event and you're, you're literally selling your stuff, right? So, yeah, we sort of, like I said, building that pipeline. And I imagine it's, you know, very similar to the field days uh, strategy here where, I mean, if there's one sector that's actually very hard to physically serve, it's the agricultural sector in that there's a lot of driving, there's a lot of getting into the gumboots, you can only visit one or two people in a day, you've got to stop for a cup of tea. (laughs) There's only certain times in the day that you're going to be welcome. And so those events where everyone kind of comes together... Um, and, and, and is there to kind of meet and network must be absolutely vital. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, Simon. I mean, channels are, are really challenging within the, the agri-tech. Um, you know, no disrespect to someone doing FMCG, but there's pretty much two supermarkets here, a few other um, channels that you can try. But, yeah, just working out your pathway to market's really important. And, you know, Andrea's talked about that and some of the, the customers and people she's trying to work with. So, yeah. How does the New Zealand name work out there? Because we're obviously known as a as a country of mm. great kind of farming innovation. Yep. But like, you know, it's, it's never easy doing business into Australia, is it? Like, I, yeah. I, we spoke to um, Dion Nash and he said his strategy with Triumph and Disaster was to go to the States first. Because if you're a Kiwi that goes to Australia with a product that's done well in L.A., they're like, oh, great, you're interesting. But yeah. if you're a Kiwi over there, they're like, oh, God, not another Kiwi. Yeah, it's a really interesting relationship. Um, people describe it as sort of like big brother, little brother, uh, and, and that's really apt. But this is one of the few areas actually where New Zealand's a, a leader, and that was really well recognised at the conference. Even the Aussie guys, um, perhaps sort of uh, chewing on their tongue a bit, would, would openly say, hey, you guys are, 
um, are leading in this area in terms of investment and companies and stuff. So, yeah, we definitely, uh, I hate that phrase, but punch above our weight. Um, and, and there's a lot of respect there from, from the Australians. But, um, yeah, th- you're right. There's nothing like having done your product elsewhere to really get interest, right? And how, Andrea, do you go about getting involved in in pr- programs like this and get, getting uh, in touch with people who can help an idea uh you know, access the grants and access the networks that help it grow. Um, <clears throat> it's really keeping close to people like Justin that I was talking about, Simon, and the NZTE. So the more that they know about your business, the more that they can help. So again, um, like physically going to see them. Yeah. And how do you how do you kick that off? Do you just kind of Google them up and go in for an appointment, or how how did you get involved? So. I actually applied through the Callahan um, Getting Started grant, and then you get referred through the networks. Um, and then these guys are in the ag tech space. So Justin's actually based in Christchurch. So it was just by chance that I went down there and actually saw him and Sam. And Sam had actually started up his own business before that so again you're working with people that have started a business before because on the outside it looks very fun and glamorous and shiny (laughs) (laughs) inside there is a lot of pain you're thinking about your gumboots in the back of the car (laughs) and (laughs) the late nights and yeah and in terms of like it is quite remarkable isn't it like I quite often talk to people who are like oh I didn't think it would apply to me to just get in touch with these people. And then I did. And there was a person whose job it was, was just to help introduce me to people and see if they could help me get funding and get in front of customers. You're like, well, that's pretty handy. But not not exactly that. So um, I think as soon as I finished with Justin that day, he then referred me on to um, three or four other startups. Because, again, we're all dispersed. And so we've had phone calls and video calls, but I haven't since met them. But um, one of the guys referred me... Um, an intern and somebody else was like you need to apply for this grant so um, there is this once you're in that little ag tech network there is like little channels that go on there and having come from corporate finance like working you know at like in New Zealand's a very cool company and is run really well and has an extraordinary reputation because it is so high performing to pop out of that and into being a a non-technical founder how have you managed to kind of um push along and learn the things that you didn't have to in the kind of making all of the tech and um, the business grow? There is so much on the internet that you can teach yourself now. Like, um, you know, people say that, but until you've actually got a problem to solve or it's going to cost you contract fees of three, $400 and you can work out how to fix it yourself, then you really learn how to teach yourself. Um, but obviously, because I went through that accelerator program, it gave me that that landing pad, pad basically. So, um, you know, obviously, unfortunately, some of the cohort have dropped off. But even still, the ones that are remaining, um, we still chat every month and we still keep each other honest and we all see each other goals of what we're going to do and achieve. Um, but you don't know what the answer is every day and it's just just do something and then figure it out yeah and what advice do you have to people who might be sitting on a you know might have uncovered uh turned over a rock and found some kind of remarkable fact like 
all of the waste that was existing inside the the food industry and and the the latent unproductivity of only using your trucks a third of the time to to go from having that cool insight and actually turning it into a, a, a product with 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 data trackers and trucks all around the place and you know people uh, people benefiting from your product. It blows my mind because even um, thinking about it like a year ago, I was literally changing batteries for three or four hours a day. I had all of these trackers and I was like, but it's just going through it, you know, like every day you're going to learn more and just keep trying Um, and getting, there's no better feedback than customer feedback. So if you can find someone that's going to pay for your product, um, yes, there's lots of freemium. Yes, there's lots of free pilots. But everyone's going to try something for free. But until they actually put money where their mouth is, they don't necessarily see value. So obviously, they'll pay for their pilot. But if you can then start getting that reoccurring revenue happening, um, then you know that you're really onto something. And again, I think as being ag tech, we have that revenue for you know, five to six months, and then it drops off until next season. So it's basically then again working those those hemispheres. Working those hemispheres. And, uh, or figuring out a business model that can nail the full <laughs> 12 months, which would be awesome. And, and, and Simon, what advice would you have for companies who are, 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 you know, starting to get a bit of traction and are interested in taking it to the world? Yeah, I mean, I think the key is you've got to be passionate about what you want to do, and Andrea really conveys that really well. You've got to really believe in what, what you're doing because I think it is it is a harder road to hoe than yeah doing a corporate job, as much value as that, that can bring as well. Um, I think uh, the key, I believe, going forward is that networking collaboration piece. Uh, that sort of DIY culture that maybe is a little bit inherent in New Zealand, it just doesn't work anymore. Um you know the pace of change, the new technologies, the new market. You know that are evolving sort of on a weekly basis. Um, you, yeah, you've got to be part of the network, I believe, to be successful. And yeah, I mean we are a relatively friendly friendly bunch um, here at Callahan. So yeah, we're, we're here to help. And if companies want to grow um, and they want to globalise, then yeah, we're, we're really keen to work with them. Yeah, and what does we we always ask people on the show, which is something we love, like. What does success look like? What does mm. success look like for you, Simon? Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we've um, developed uh, what we call a playing to win strategy, um, and and the key with that is to to really focus on what we're about and and what we're going to do as well as what we're not going to do. So that's come down to the fact that, as I mentioned before, uh, New Zealand is a 1.5 billion dollar uh, export industry, and we want to turn that into a multi billion dollar uh, industry. And so that you know, that's a very lofty goal, um, and we're not the ones who are going to do it. Um, you know, companies like Andrea and Sparrows are the ones who are actually going to achieve that. But we're here to help and support those companies, and so everything we do should be, you know, uh, wrapped around that goal. Ah, that's so cool. And a lot of those companies that are, you know, for profit and doing good things, they are doing things like working to limit the amount of nitrogen mm. being used and yeah. to, to make more efficient, uh, yeah. you know, like to lower emissions and to do, to do all kinds of things that have lots of other benefits as well yeah. as the financial, hey? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what's so cool about being in this space because, yeah, just about every company we work for is, is helping men, womankind, you know, right, in terms of less food waste, um, you know, more healthy food, um, 
you know, just being more efficient, less environmentally damaging. And then that's being driven by the consumer too, which is really cool. So we, we, we get in behind that as government, obviously. Oh, that's so cool. And how about you, Andrea? What will, what will success be for you with Sparrows? Um, I think but as an industry... I would love to see more people in agriculture. I think, you know, Simon's talking about these, these lofty goals that we've got, but it's going to be bringing people in. You know, we in agriculture, we have robots and we have drones and um, we need really smart scientists to be working on those varieties. So how do we get those amazing people working in our orchards as well? They're such beautiful places to be. Um, because we can't achieve that level of success unless we've got that brain power be- behind us. And, and as I say, like, I love my customers um, and I would love more people working in with those customers. Yeah, ah, that's so cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That's Simon Yarrow, who leads Callahan Innovations Agritech team, and Andrea Watson, founder and CEO at Sparrows. Thank you for sharing your stories today. Thanks, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Thank you very much to Tina Tiller for producing and thank you very much for having us along and listening. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.